0: good evening everyone and welcome to point and click radio the biweekly computer show i'm bob
1: lawton and i'm jim hyde support for kzyx comes from our members and further reach a local provider of high-speed internet to the mendocino coast and anderson valley Information is at furtherreach.net.
0: And you're tuned to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah at 91.5 FM, K201HR, Fort Bragg, 88.1 FM. We're Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, also streaming live at kzyx.org.
1: Hey, Jim. We are... We are the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we answer your computer questions and bring you the latest computer and internet news. Bob is coming to you from our new satellite studio in Ukiah. I'm coming to you from the point-and-click remote desk at my home on the coast. <laughs> well, you're uh, only in,
0: you're only 18 inches away from me, as I sit here, but it's... Uh,
1: oh, you're only about 200 pickles, pixels away from 200 me. 200 pixels right, away. That I'm looking at.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so we're back again. We were here two weeks ago when the top stories were what, Apple's new something or other. I can't even remember now.
1: Well, we talked about the new M1-based um, right. laptops. That's right. Oh, yeah, and we had our
0: um, we had our research desk report over the M1 PowerBook.
1: Exactly, exactly. Toby Molina, who heads up the point-and-click research desk, was here two weeks ago to talk about the new um, uh, MacBook Pro 13-inch based on the M1 Apple Silicon chip, which she has um, acquired one, and, uh, it, and and it's a big hit here in the uh, point-and-click coast desk. Uh, it's fast, the battery life is insane, it's broadly compatible with pretty much everything. A couple of little glitches she has encountered with um, some certain utilities more um, partly related to the big sur operating system partly related to the m1 chip but um, by and large uh, it's been it's been it's been really nice
0: what was the one thing crypt something box something
1: box, yeah box cryptor. Box, box cryptor box cryptor which is a, a an encryption security tool that you can use if you use cloud storage services like dropbox or google drive or apple's icloud you can choose for folders and documents to be encrypted so that if someone is able to view your Dropbox um, contents, you they can't necessarily see the documents themselves or the encrypted folders unless they have BoxScripter and the secret password. So it's well, an important did, thing that she uses um, and that we use here.
0: Yeah. Um, did that, they get that straightened out, though? Is it running?
1: Uh... Not yet. I think it's. I think the uh, m one version, the Apple silicon version is still in beta.
0: Oh, okay, but it's uh, but it's still running on your machine. <laughs> you're yes, not exactly. you're non m one. yes.
1: I have non m one machines, and so does she. So we're still able to get into the encrypted stuff. Okay, oh, um, it's one of the tips that we shared last week, and that is if you're gonna take the plunge to the new m one, processor platform which by and large we feel pretty comfortable recommending it because it's fast and the battery life is is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you always you always want to make sure that what apps and utilities you rely on will also run in whatever new thing you want to get. And if there's any question you want to make sure you've got the old one or some other form of getting in using that tool until the Tool becomes available with your uh, for your for your newest yes
0: employee. always read the reviews like our our, our uh, perennial advice is always back up have as many backups as you possibly can and don't upgrade the day they release the brand new software because there's always going to be some kind of incompatibility you know yeah. whatever old antique piece of software that you treasure and have been using like me you know i have a lot of old Old clunky stuff, and I'm very hesitant to upgrade to the newest system because the chances are it might not be compatible. Hey, when they released the M1 processor, they called it one more thing. Remember? That's right. But guess what? Their one more thing had a one more thing. There was
1: there was still one more thing. Yes, and uh, Apple. Uh, AirPod Max headphones, I presume, is what you're referring to.
0: Exactly what I'm referring to, because they released that. Um, they didn't do it at one of those conferences or product announcements or Apple Campus, you know, drone, uh, drone-based drone fly-through videos. They just right. plopped it up on their website, I think, and, and put some review units out with some, um, you know, um, Apple-favored uh, reviewers But this is one of those things that's just going to make waves over the price because it's just an outrageous amount of money to spend on a pair of headphones, you know.
1: It's an expensive pair of headphones. It's a $549 pair of headphones, and they're getting generally good reviews. In fact, really, you you basically summed it up. The reviews are generally saying, these are great, but wow, they're expensive. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They're, They're very cool looking in typical Apple design fashion. They look like a couple of kind of rounded cat food cans, <laughs> kind of a stainless steel available in several different colors.
0: But somebody, com- have- somebody compared them to the Aeron chair because they have this stainless steel, you know, uh, support structure. The thing that goes over your head, it has uh, stainless steel uh, rods that you can use the do for the adjustment. And it has right. this mesh and they were comparing it to, to the Herman Miller Aeron chair. It's the Aeron <laughs> chair of headphones. <laughs> All right. Fair
1: enough. And they're um, they're noise canceling, like a lot of the higher end headsets are from companies like Bose and Sony. So you can, for example, you could turn them on while you're, you know, uh, when you're on a plane, and it would largely overcome or drown out or cancel out the sound of the plane. Uh, Basically, long, continuous, long, continuous sounds rather than percussive sounds. Sure. Somebody, you know, your dog barking in the distance. Uh, or in the same room, that's not going to be canceled out by noise cancelling headsets. Uh, a fan running or a the sound of a plane when you're uh, when you're when you're in a flight, or a dryer, something that's making a continuous sound. yeah, uh, that's where noise cancelling headphones really do their thing.
0: Or my favorite an ice machine.
1: <laughs> or you know, oh, an, an ice machine that would work as well. Yeah. So there's, a lots of, there's lots of reviews around there. They're, you know, they're, they're Bluetooth only. They don't, have a, they don't plug into anything. So that's an interesting um, difference between them and a lot of the other headsets that are out there, many of which do Bluetooth wireless, but also have a cable that come with them that allow you to plug them into something. Well, you can
0: actually use those as wired headphones. You have to use a lightning to um, headphone jack cable.
1: Uh, you have to buy a dongle.
0: Yeah yeah <laughs> not
1: a. Don-
0: <laughs> no, but I mean they' they're not completely if you want to plug uh, plug them into you know any eighth inch stereo connector, they actually will do that too. They're, you know they're not oh, that's all, cool. okay. They're not only wireless. so you could actually use them as real plug-in stereo headphones, but you need that lightning cable, which is how they charge, I guess, to a headphone jack um, or plug connector. So right. that so that works,
1: right? Right. Yeah.
0: Well, if you remember, Jim, twenty years ago when the uh, or maybe it was how long ago? When did the iPod, very first iPod, the big brick of an iPod, come out? That was almost that much.
1: Just about, yeah. It was, was two thousand and one, I think.
0: Yeah, almost twenty years ago. Um, it was close to that price, and that was in two thousand one dollars. So, <laughs> people were buying those. People were. Well,
1: so so you're going to get a set of uh, AirPod Max? No. Not me. Not me. Well, <laughs> no. Me neither. No. I actually have a really sight, nice uh, set of Bose um, yeah. uh, noise-canceling headsets that were a gift for uh, a recent holiday or a birthday or something a year or so ago um, that I love. And, I, and oh, and a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. That's another great thing for use with noise-canceling headphones.
0: As right, well, right. Right. Because or really la- makes all that- lawnmowers or leaf blowers, any of those things, they're a real blessing. Yes
1: makes all those giant sounds sucking sounds go away okay
0: if you're just tuning in it's point and click radio with bob jim and toby tonight
1: indeed and we are going to be unveiling introducing taking its maiden voyage of a new segment that we hope to do in every edition of Point and Click Radio something we call web tip of the week and that is going to be delivered by our own Toby Molina who has been manning the or running the point and click research desk for lo these many years when Bob and I well back in the days when Bob and I used to be in the studio in Philo and we'd have a caller question come up that uh, she might be that we might not have an immediate answer to, <laughs> or even if we did, yeah, she would be here at the point and click research desk, surfing away and often sending us links uh, via text message with additional insights and value. So, she's for many years now been adding value to point and click radio in the behind the scenes role, absolutely behind the curtain and <laughs> joining us for the web tip of the week segment and that is uh, that that uh, that will kick off on tonight's edition of point and click radio uh, welcome toby can you hear us i can can you hear me we can thank i you. hear you so when we were talking about t- doing the inaugural edition of web tip of the week you thought well uh we're coming we're into the meat of the holiday season and the holiday shopping season so there's a lot of
2: there's a whole lot of shopping going on
0: boy is there ever
2: exactly
1: (laughs) and then there's a whole lot of online shopping obviously and i'll say it right now because we always say it when we talk about online shopping patronize your local retailers when you can but we also also patronize online retailers when we need to and
2: Sometimes it's a matter of convenience. Sometimes, right, right now, it's a question of safety. Some people aren't comfortable going into stores. I always encourage – I do a lot of my shopping locally. Obviously, it's been a little bit more difficult right now. Um, and uh, if we're going to use these online outlets, it would be nice to save a buck or two if we can.
0: Oh, sure.
1: And, and that brings us to part one of the Web Tip of the Week, and it deals with – Whenever you go into an e- e-commerce website and you're checking out, you will almost always see some kind of a little box that says promo code or discount code. And there are a bunch of websites that theoretically let you go and get those kinds of codes. Sometimes they work. Many times they don't. But you found some other solutions. So tell us about those.
2: Well, this is uh, – so I've been using for years uh, sites like RetailMeNot.com and Savings.com and Coupon chief. Dot com and that requires that I go to the website um, and put the uh, let's say I'm checking out at Zappos.com and I want to see if they have any current discount codes and I'll go there and put it in and, and uh, hit or miss, you know there, there'll be a variety of codes and typically maybe one will work. Uh, the site will usually tell you how many how recently that code has worked. Um, but now there's something called honey which will actually do that scraping of the web for you looking for discount codes so that when you're actually checking out, if you have the Honey extension installed, uh, you can uh it will automatically start churning through discount codes for you to see if any will work. And it's surprising how frequently they work. It works. Um, it does require that you install an extension in uh, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, or Opera. The extension works in all of them. And then you st- Honey starts to learn your shopping, obviously, as it's following along, and will um, offer you options. Well, usually a pop-up will appear when you're checking out that says, Hey, uh, would you like us to check out? any discount codes. We have three or four, 10 discount codes. Um, if you click yes, then it'll start turning through those discount codes. And if it finds a, an applicable code, uh, it will input it for you and tell you how much you've just saved.
1: That's really cool. Many, many, many's the time we've been sitting at opposite ends of the living room and you've been <laughs> online buying something and you will suddenly announce Hey, I just saved twenty percent. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> Free shipping or something like that through through the Honey extension. So it doesn't. You don't have to go to a website and look for codes. Oh, a, it does
2: it right. Correct. It does it for you. It pres- yeah. it, it's presumably scraping all of those sites that you would otherwise uh, go to and uh, look uh, yourself. So it in the time it would take you to go to the variety of sites, look them up, try those codes individually, going back and forth, Honey will just uh, do it automatically and you see it churn through a bunch of different discount codes. So instead and of always oh go ahead.
0: Instead of having to make a round trip to Retail Me Not, looking up possible coupon codes, trying five or six that may or may not work on your Zappos purchase or whatever, this just does it as a browser extension right in the background of whatever site you're you're visiting.
2: Correct. And also it it's it's doing a lot more web crawling than you would likely do because retail retail me not only has the The discount codes that have been reported to it, and Rakuten has others, and Savings.com has others, and Coupon Chief, and presumably um, Honey is uh, scraping all of those sites looking for any available coupon codes that have been used and reported. there, There are always things to keep in mind when you're using any of these types of services. Obviously, you're installing an extension into your browser, so it's important to be aware of the privacy policies. Uh, of these kind of organizations. And Honey last year was bought by PayPal. So it is owned by a large (laughs) entity. Um, They only collect data about the specific items you're looking into and the vendors. And they make very specific mention over and over in their privacy policy that they do not sell information. Um, That means they share data that's needed to complete your purchase with the businesses who help operate Honey, um, or if they're legally required to do so. Um, Like other online services, they use cookies and pixel tags and web beacons and other markers, uh, but they do not sell that information afterwards. Obviously, they need to use the information uh, in your shopping uh, session in order to gather the information. Um, but it's also important that it, you know in California, California law um, provides us with a lot of uh, opt-out uh, options yeah. uh, for the sale of personal information. Honey does not and will not sell or rent or disclose the value, you know, for value any of your personal information. But it's always good to, to it's not a good bad idea as a resident of California to be aware of what your rights are. There may be some extra. Uh, steps you need to take in order to exercise those rights. But when it comes to any website, um, as, a, as a resident of California, it ha- so happens that with honey, you don't need to particularly worry about it. But I would always encourage anyone who is thinking of installing anything like this to take a look at their privacy policy so that you are sure of what it is that you're letting them see and yeah. what data you're allowing them to gather. It, the, the, the privacy policy is in very plain language at uh, joinhoney.com slash privacy. And you can see um, just what it is you're agreeing to by by uh, loading that extension.
0: So if um, they're not selling your personal information to third parties to come around and harass you and haunt you, what is? Correct. Where, where do they get their money from? What's their business model?
2: I assume they're getting it from the or the companies that they are working with i don't i, I really uh, don't know i don't know what the business model is yeah. and honestly i don't care <laughs> <laughs> they actually they, they, make a, they,
1: make,
2: yeah. they make a commission no.
1: they basically make a commission yeah so if,
0: right because it's driving more business to these sites exactly yeah yeah. Well, my little tip that I've learned is, uh, well, I think I've mentioned this before on the show. Um, if you find something you really, really want on Amazon, and it's a name brand or by them, you know, if it's not the, you know, what is Amazon's in-house knockoff brand that? Uh,
2: Amazon Basics.
0: Basics. Yeah. You know, who knows what uh, sweatshop those are made in and, and where. <laughs> but if it's, you know, if it's... Um, a product that has a manufacturer, a lot of times you can go to the website and get just as good a deal on the product from the manufacturer. But here's what I found out a lot of times you go to their site. And after about 10 or 20 seconds, you'll get a little pop-up saying, do you want to get our newsletter? If you sign up for the newsletter, put something in your cart and then take it out of your card. A couple of days later, you'll get an email saying, Hey, would you like to save 20% on the thing you looked at? So they're, they're kind yeah. of, they're kind of, um, trolling for you to come back and get what you looked like you were going to get the day you were there. And a lot of times you can get a code that saves you a lot more money than if you had just bought it that, that first time. So if it's something you're not in a real hurry for. Or if you're just kind of looking around, uh, to check it out, you can get a good deal that way sometimes. That's happened two or three times with the. I like it. Yeah. And then, of course, once you get the thing, if you don't want to get their emails anymore, you can just unsubscribe, you know. Just unsubscribe. Sure.
2: Yeah. Precisely. And a lot of retailers now are making it difficult to get past their ask for you to sign up for their newsletter or their emails or whatever. But it frequently will mean a 10, 15, 20% discount. Even if you're never planning to, to, to frequent that retailer again, you can use it for this one thing you're looking for. Right. And then just unsubscribe. It's just that easy. Uh, the next time they send you an email, unsubscribe and it's over.
0: Yeah. And I always try to go to the manufacturer directly if they'll sell directly. Cause a lot of times if, you know, if the order is Great. reasonable enough, they'll give you free shipping just like Amazon Prime will. So you can go st- straight to the manufacturer or distributor and cut out the, uh, Jeff Bezos, he's got enough money. Well, that so the,
2: uh, leads us to the next uh, to the next thing I was going to talk about this evening. It talks about uh, resellers on Amazon. If you want to move on to that, yeah,
1: let's just wrap up with letting folks know if they yeah. haven't found, but for one thing, that they're listening to Point and Click Radio with Bob Lot and Jim Hyde and Toby Molina, and um, we're talking about. The Honey browser extension, which automatically looks up and applies discount codes for you when you're doing online shopping, you can get to it by going to joinhoney.com, or just go to the search engine of your choice and search for Honey extension. Honey extension, uh, because it's a browser extension, one of those free little plugins that taps into your web browser. It's available for all of the major browsers, and um, and uh, and it's free. So, yes, so that does indeed lead us to uh, part two of tonight's uh, web tip of the week, and that deals with online reviews. Toby?
2: So, frequently, when you uh, go to uh, Amazon in particular, there could be a host of reviews. You really don't know who is leaving those reviews. You don't know if they're real. You don't know if somebody has uh, created a, a lot of um erroneous uh, reviews just to sell something um and there are a lot of third-party sellers now on amazon and you just don't know uh, frequently what you're getting it's there's been a lot of reporting of that during the pandemic of people my brother for instance buying what he thought was name brand toilet paper and ending up with these little tiny rolls of weird toilet paper (laughs) it looked like adding machine tape yeah (laughs) um it
0: looked great in the photo right (laughs)
2: Had he taken a few minutes to look at um, one uh, at this particular, uh, had have, have he used this functionality, he would have seen that it was a not a reputable sale, uh, seller. So there's a service called FakeSpot. You can find it at FakeSpot.com, and uh, it is also uh, an extension you can load. But there's also just a standalone website where you can copy and paste URLs. Uh, From Amazon, I think it's Amazon, Sephora, Google, Walmart, and Best Buy. Hmm. And you can paste in a URL, a product page URL, and it will give you an assessment of the veracity of the reviews. They use a variety, uh, uh, an algorithm, a variety of algorithms that uh, run multiple tests to determine if a review is authentic or not um, and it's rarely just a keyword that sets off an alarm it's a, a pattern of usage or repetition of certain words linguistics play a, a, a big part in every analysis but uh-huh. it's far more complex than just looking for certain keywords that that trip the alarms
1: hmm. so if um, i'm on if i'm on amazon.com and I'm looking at a product that seems to have five-star reviews across the board and everybody just seems to love it, and I'm thinking about talking to the Pledge, I can go up to my browser bar, copy that link, go over to fakespot.com, paste that link into the little box that they have on their homepage, and then they go and grind through that page and give me an analysis of the reviews and their own assessment of how many of those reviews are legit and how are not. Correct. and really it's good
2: cool. it's good to remember they, they're not grading the they're grading product reviews, right. not the product or the companies. They're just telling you on that specific page, if you're looking at those reviews, and f- very frequently when I put a um, a page through its paces, I find, they, what they then do is, let's say I'm looking at a page, it's got a five-star review, I put it through fake Spot. they analyze it, and then they give me their new assessment of how many stars that review should be. And frequently you find it goes from A, they give it an a letter grade, an A and a five, to C, the three stars. Wow. Because what they've done is they've disregarded all of the fake content and are just grading it upon real what they determine to be real reviews of course anything like this is flawed and it's an algorithm but it has been incredibly useful and will also flag when they they also have a database of disreputable sellers wow so it will immediately throw a flag if a, if a seller has been in been determined to be disreputable which has been very very helpful
0: You know, um, when you see a verified purchase on an Amazon review, that means technically somebody has actually bought the product from Amazon, so they're not just making up a review for the fun of it. Correct. But a lot of times these sellers have uh, their extended family all go and buy the product so they can claim it's a verified purchase, you know, and then they just get their money back from, you know, from whoever the seller is. So you can't even trust the verified purchase as as making the review a genuine review. It could be, you you know.
2: Correct, And, and
1: the system. Yeah,
2: and with Amazon and Walmart relying so much on third-party sellers, there are too many bad products from bad sellers who use fake reviews, and it's very easy. It's very difficult to determine the difference. Um, just as the as the as the buyer, they look the same. There's no way to know. You know, you can look and see who's actually sold by. Is it shipped? Who's shipping it? You can. Use your own spidey sense to figure some of this out for yourself. Right. But adding adding fake spot as another metric. In other words, you use your own, you know, use your own smarts and your own, um, investiga- you know, investigatory skills sure. to figure out, you know, what looks kosher to you. But also, fake spot is another good uh, uh, arrow in your quiver. Yeah. To help you figure out, you know, when when you might be getting taken.
0: Is it FixBot? F- fixspot.com
2: Yeah, FixBot.com. Okay. Uh, again, there is an extension. Um, their privacy policy is a little bit more... Um,
0: uh, What's liberal, the word? Questionable?
2: <laughs> yeah, liberal <laughs> than the Honey uh, privacy policy. I, okay. I feel very comfortable about having um, Honey installed as an extension um fake spot i suggest anybody who would like to install that extension again go to fake spot.com slash privacy hyphen policy and have a look at their privacy policy to make sure that you're comfortable uh with the information that they're gathering again there's an extensive amount of information in their privacy policy about what californians are entitled to Uh uh-huh that tells you that they are, in fact, using the data more liberally than Honey is. Because Honey right. tells you that as a Californian, you have rights, but you don't need to worry about it because we're not doing any of this stuff. Yeah. Right. Fake Spot is using is using the data more liberally. So I recommend anybody who thinks about um, installing that in their browser to please read first before making that that leap. And but, Justin,
1: if you're concerned about that, then just use the website and just do, use. Yes, yeah,
2: and the, right. use your, that's one, so one more step. But it, yeah, it's one more step, but it gives you. Um, it certainly helps you to to keep a, a lid on um, somebody scraping your data.
0: And it sounds like something you might just use occasionally, like not you know all all day long, all the time.
2: Well, I guess it depends on how much you shop on Amazon. I guess so. <laughs> I imagine that in this virtual room yes that amount varies (laughs) varies (laughs) that's possible
0: yeah Hey, you it's know, just
2: a theory.
1: <laughs> for, for a
0: long, long time, I wondered why you would go look at a product on Amazon and you would get these reviews that one person would say, this is the greatest thing I've ever got in my life. It's well-made, durable. It's worked great. I haven't had any problems and I've had it for three years. And then right next to it would a review that said, this is a piece of junk and it fell apart the minute I took it out of the box. Right. right. And the reason is because a lot of those third-party sellers have Amazon warehouse their product yeah, and a lot of the pro- product comes from the original manufacturer and it's genuine and Amazon was just dumping it all in the same bin so you would get um, you know counterfeit stuff getting mixed in with the real stuff and I don't know if that if they've put a lid on that but that was a problem for a while people were getting fake products uh, because the third-party sellers their uh, stuff that was being warehoused by Amazon and, and uh, handled by Amazon rather than the third-party seller themselves. You know, the third-party seller would outsource the the shipping to Amazon themselves, but they would provide them with the merchandise.
1: Wow.
2: And you're always going to find instances, no matter how reputable a seller is or how good a product is, where somebody receives something broken or it falls apart, or that's just inevitable. So that's to be expected. If you find a... a um a product where everything is five stars, and that just sounds unrealistic in and of itself. Um, I find Amazon reviews particularly helpful when it comes to instructions. If I can't figure yeah. something out, I can't figure out how something works, or I can't, what is this piece, or how does this work, or why can't I get something to do something? I go to the Amazon reviews. You can search Amazon reviews. I put in Uh, a search phrase to see if anybody's had the same issue. And nine times out of 10, I find the answer to my question Mm, within the reviews. It's an incredibly useful from a, um, uh, a crowdsourcing perspective to find other people who might have the same issue or question that I do. That, to me, is the single best use of Amazon reviews.
0: It is, it's, especially it's, if... if like at the... uh,
2: comments on recipes. It's the same thing. Yeah, right. You can find other people who are in the same pickle you are and who may have figured it out.
0: Recipes, pickles, yes. <laughs> um, oh, recipes that's especially true, Toby, if they post a photo, too. You know, a lot of times the picture... Oh, yeah. Pictures. Some of the better
1: reviews will even have videos of something. If the yes. product is kinetic in some way, it does something, it opens up, it spins yeah. around or whatever. Um, some reviewers will post a review, a video review of it.
0: Hey, we got an email from listener Henry uh, who says, Fake Spot may be available on the App Store. Hmm.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to check that
1: out. I'm going to look right now. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what that means. So, um, yeah, fakespot.com. And there's there's so many interesting things about, uh, you know, online reviews, which we, which we covered in the show a long time ago. But, you know, you kind of you look at the um, you look at the quantity of And this this applies whether you're going to, you know, Yelp to look for a favorite bre- breakfast breakfast place in a town that you've never been to before or for something you're shopping for on Amazon. Look at the quantity of reviews. If you see only two or three video uh, reviews, there probably isn't enough of a critical mass there to provide a real consensus as to what the product is like or how good the breakfast is. Um, And when you find a certain critical mass, then you can start to look for a trend. Most of the people like it. Most most of the people don't. Um, Things like that. So um,
2: not. Uh, not only is fake spot in the app store, <laughs> it's already on my phone.
1: <laughs> already. That
2: fast. <laughs> I, I forgot. So Henry is absolutely right. Nice. Thanks, uh, Henry. And uh, uh, again. It's, I would recommend anybody who's looking for this sort of functionality, certainly try the app, but before you use any of these sorts of things, always look at the privacy policy so that you're sure you understand what information you're allowing others to collect.
0: Good idea. If you're just tuning in, this is Point and Click Radio, the biweekly computer show with Bob, Jim, and Toby. Uh, we've been talking about online shopping, and you're tuned to KZWX Philo and KZYZ Willits and Ukiah, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting.
1: That's great. So we've got um we've got um we've got Honey, the browser extension for all of the leading browsers that is actually a PayPal division that allows that automatically ferrets out discount codes for you as you're shopping, as you're getting ready to check out to save money on the stuff that you buy online. And then we've got uh, FakeSpot, which is a browser extension or and or a website and or an app that allows you to um Scrutinize some of the reviews that you si- see on major online sites to see um, just how legitimate that they really are. That's our web t- web tip of the week. Thank you so much, Toby Molina, and the Point and Click re- whoo, The Point and Click Research Desk. We'll see you next time. It
2: was a pleasure. I look forward to it.
0: Thanks, Tobin. As do we. The tip of the week uh, for the weeks we're on. <laughs>
1: Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 more uh, it's it's more efficient than saying
0: tip of the, the bi week. No, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exactly. work. The, the, but, the
1: web tip for the next for two weeks. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, that was the good news. Um, there's some bad news too. There was a horrible hack of a software company called Solar Winds. Did you hear about that? Hmm. Yeah. solar winds makes uh, network uh, monitoring software for enterprises so if you have uh, a company with offices all around the world with you know 10 million servers and 50,000 uh, um, y- you know uh, routers and all that kind of stuff um, it it does the um, you know sort of network mapping and all that stuff uh, they were hacked by um, an unknown, Actor who somehow was able to compromise an update. And apparently, this affected uh, um, tens of thousands of users of this software. And the uh, cybersecurity experts uh, are saying this is on a scale of 10. This was an 11. Yeah. So it was yeah. bad news. And the um, Homeland Security Department of Homeland Security warned uh, this last Sunday that. Um, users should disconnect or disable the software. So it must have been pretty serious. Um, We'd have no idea how uh, this affected uh, all these different uh, agencies and departments and everything, but apparently um, it was detected. Well, I'm not sure how it was detected. Oh, it was detected by a, um, a cybersecurity company that actually used the software. They're the ones that able able yeah. to, to analyze it. But um the good news
1: is that um, just as of today Microsoft basically um <laughs> from this geekwire.com article Microsoft unleashes the death star on solar winds in extraordinary response to breach Death star um, it, I won't go into the kind of the technical details behind what Microsoft did cuz I don't quite understand them but to um to summarize the article to read from this sentence through four steps over four days, Microsoft flexed the muscle of its legal team and its control of the Windows operating system to nearly obliterate the actions of some of the most sophisticated, offensive hackers out there.
0: Wow. If anybody's going to have a Death Star, it would be Microsoft.
1: Well, <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't want to be on the receiving end of that one.
0: no. No. And then uh, you had some Facebook news, didn't you? What's going on with Facebook?
1: Yes. Well, um, both, both, two of the big 800 pound gorillas in the online world are the subject of antitrust lawsuits right now. Um, Facebook, first of all, the U.S. government and a coalition of 48 states and districts have filed parallel lawsuits against Facebook in a major antitrust offensive that accused Facebook of anti-competitive behavior in a move that could ultimately, although a lot of people are saying that's, don't hold your breath, that could ultimately force its breakup. And at issue is the fact that Facebook is not only an 800-pound, an 8,000-ton gorilla in the social media world, but also owns Instagram, a wildly popular online photo-sharing app and service that has over a billion users worldwide, and also a um, messaging and communications tool called WhatsApp. So it's really hard to interact with other people on the web without touching um, Mark Zuckerberg's bank account in one fashion or another. So the Federal, uh, the federal Trade Commission collaborated with these attorneys general in an investigation that went on for several years and, um, and launched a suit that uh, alleged that Facebook is engaged in a, quote, systematic strategy of anti-competitive conduct. And the FTC is uh, seeking a permanent uh, injunction in federal court that could force Facebook to sell off Instagram and WhatsApp. So basically to kind of sell off some of those components that are making the, this, this, uh, this behemoth that they are.
0: Well, and uh, people have been talking about that for a really, really, really long time. But Facebook has a lot of lobbyists in Washington.
1: Oh, yes. Indeed, they do. As does Google. Google. And there, the are uh, on the other receiving end of a different antitrust lawsuit. Um, just today, Texas announced Wednesday that it'll sue Google, accusing the search giant of maintaining an illegal monopoly in online advertising. Uh, Texas is going to be joined by Arkansas, Indiana, Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi, South Dakota, North Dakota, Utah, and Idaho, according to reporting from Reuters. Hmm. Uh, the uh, Texas Attorney General, uh, Attorney General, said, "Quote: It isn't fair that Google effectively annihilated its competition and crowned itself the head of online advertising."
0: Paxton. So, fun- so funny to think that Google just started out as a humble little search engine, a replacement for um, what were we using back then, Alta Vista. Alta
1: Vista, <laughs> which was founded about 25 years ago this week.
0: Yeah. You sent me a link to that article, and it was really interesting because I had forgotten that AltaVista was like a um, boiler room project of the digital equipment company, DEC, which yeah. was one of the powerhouses in the technology area back then 25 years ago. DEC made these um, uh, mini computers that were kind of in between personal computers and giant IBM mainframes, and they were very popular all over the place, especially at places like universities and small uh, businesses and stuff like that. And they set up this server and it was amazing to learn that the hard drive that was running in Alta Vista was like, what, 256 megabytes or something (laughs) like that?
1: Something ridiculous like that. The whole world
0: search results were held on a teeny little hard drive that would be a joke if you still had one in your computer today.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Something with less memory than most phones have. Phones. Yes, I know. Crazy.
0: Yeah, but AltaVista.com was where. Well, actually, it was AltaVista.digital.com and, originally. Yeah, and there and, was, a, and, then
1: they, and then they acquired the actual AltaVista domain name, which ultimately right. sold and uh, had destroyed by uh, by Yahoo.
0: Yes, it was destroyed by Yahoo. But what's there's an interesting, kind of a, a bittersweet sidebar uh, for Digital because Digital.com was their domain, and it was you know a really strong web presence at the time now it's owned by some company that's just using it as a like an ad platform
1: yeah yeah somebody exactly.
0: acquired digital.com and it's just a uh, it's an embarrassment to, to the whole industry really
1: <laughs> and 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 Alta Vista's AltaVista's demi- demise and Digital Equipment Corporation's demise for that matter yeah are one of those classic examples of companies that are too focused on looking in the review mirror. Yes. And rather than looking down the road. The uh, founder and CEO, Kenneth Olson of Digital Equipment Corporation, famously said in the late seventies, no one would have a need for a personal computer on their desk.
0: Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, it's one of those amazing quotes from the from the history of technology. There was a Way back in the, uh, Univac days when they very first had those, uh, giant, uh, computers that practically filled up a whole building that ran on vacuum tubes. Somebody said yeah. that, that the whole world would probably need seven computers at the most. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Something yeah. like
0: that. Yeah. yeah. And, and Ken, Kenneth Olson of Digital said, no, there's no reason for anybody to have a personal computer. I know. Little so, did they yeah, know.
1: Indeed. So, you know, we'll be covering on and off the Facebook and Google antitrust suits. If it's any indication, the biggest initial beneficiaries are going to be the lawyers. Um, if we saw anything and learned anything from the Microsoft Monopoly antitrust suit of about 20-some years ago at this point, it went on and on and on for years. Right. It ultimately didn't have a whole lot of impact on, on, on most of us at the end of the day, um, but it did, uh, it, it did help put bread on a lot of attorneys' tables for quite some time. So we'll be covering those lawsuits for you. But um, in a minute or two, we should start at least um, giving out the phone numbers and encouraging folks to give us a call.
0: Right. Right.
1: um, But before we do that, I want to just, you know, we just finished talking about Google being sued, but Google also does some really amazing, cool little toys. And I want to just tell folks about one and even give a little sonic demo of something that they've done called Blob Opera. Now, I encourage you to go, if you've got a computer, particularly one with good speakers, to go to... To go to the search engine of your choice and do a search for the phrase blob, B-L-O-B, like a blob of
0: putty. Like, like the movie, The Blob.
1: Like, like the blob. Blob opera. And what it is is a, a, a little machine learning artificial intelligence thing, toy, that lets you have four beautifully animated blobs sing sampled opera Music <laughs> as you, and uh, the only way to do it, I'm just going to move my mouse around. Uh, hopefully, you can hear this coming out of my, my computer speakers. <laughs> Uh, what Google did was sample four master classical music opera singers, having do, did 16 hours of singing, and then their machine learning model learned what opera singing sounds like, and as you drag your mouse up and down, these cute little blur blobs <laughs> expand and contract and move, and their mouths go, ooh-ah, ooh uh, and you can basically play music with this thing. And to t- try to demo it over the radio is not really to do it justice because you got to see how cute the thing is. But go to if you, especially if you have kids and you want to just park them in front of something that they'll have fun with and maybe even learn a little bit about music. About search for Blob Opera.
0: And it's Bob hosted. Opera. It's hosted by Google.
1: Yes, it was created by um, a uh, Arts and Culture Research Lab at Google. So yes. There is an arts and culture lab at Google. Interesting. um, It's really cute. I heartily recommend it. We should
0: open up the phone lines. Uh, The show has gotten so interesting tonight that I think our our listeners are probably just soaking it all in. But if you have a computer question or want to make a comment, give us a call at the studio number, 895-2448. Operators are standing by. Uh, and you can give us a call. <laughs> That's we very could just, funny. We could just sing off yeah, for the last 14 yeah.
1: minutes of the show.
0: <laughs> By the way, face, Facebook is not taking all this sitting down. They They clawed back saying Apple's upcoming anti-tracking prompt, which is going to be in Apple, I think, portable devices, maybe in the Safari browser too, they're claiming that Apple's move to uh, let users know when websites are trying to track them to third-party sites and ads and things around the web, outside of the actual site you're visiting, they're saying that this is more about profit than privacy.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Apple being a very um, having privacy being an important part of their platform and of their and their brand. Uh, they have introduced features in iOS 14, the mm-hmm. latest version of the mobile operating system, that will display a little message saying that uh, you know this app that you're using, maybe a free app that runs ads, which is which is a commonplace thing on the on the on mobile phones. Yeah. A lot of apps are free, but they display ads, where you know every three moves that you make in a game, it might display an ad. Before some certain feature is unlocked, it, you have to watch an ad. Well, it turns out that those apps also often track you, so that when you go and sit down at your computer later on in the day, you might see an ad for that same pair of shoes that you saw on your on your phone or that the ad played uh, on your mobile app. Right. And it's- so Apple is building an anti-tracking feature, has built an anti-tracking feature into iOS 14 that... When an app like that is running, iOS 14 displays a little message saying, this app would like to track you, and that may be used to provide customized advertising. Would you like to see that, yes or no?
0: Well, you can also um, uh, click on allow tracking, or you can also click on ask app not to track. Now, will the app listen when you ask them not to track? I wonder. Um, I when I when you sent me the link to that article, I went and did a little homework, and I looked up um, uh, three particular uh, items that are part of this whole thing that's happening with this tracking. There's SDKs. There's um, um, IDEs. And there's also APIs. And those are all going into the software that uh, you have on your computers and on your mobile devices. An SDK is called a software development kit. And it's a collection of software tools that are an installable package. And a lot of times, app developers, like uh, developers that develop games, will use an SDK that's provided, for example, by an advertising company. And it has all the, all the little software bits, the little software tools that let this game spy on you, basically. An API is an application programming interface, and it's similar. It does, uh, it does similar types of functions. And an IDE is also uh, a similar type of uh, tool. It's an integrated development environment. But, uh, for example, the average Android mobile app has 15, more than 15 separate SDKs in it. Oh. So they're, these are just warehouses of, of spyware, basically. Yeah. And that's the average mobile app. The gaming apps go up to over 17 different SDKs in your average gaming app. And these things track, they don't only track that pair of shoes you happen to look at by noticing it was a pair of shoes. They trap things like your gestures when you use the computer, you know, right. your rate of typing on a keyboard or or text input on your mobile device. They have all these uh, heuristic uh, and um, kinesthetic type of um, measurements that they can all use. To to know who you are and to maybe categorize you, you know, if you're a slow typer, you might fit into one profile. If you're a fast typer, you might fit into another profile. And they use all this information to make you the product and yeah. not the not the uh, customer.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's nasty. And you know, in Facebook's response to, uh, a, they wrote a ble- uh, one of their advertising executives wrote a blog post on the Facebook blog, talking about how Apple objects to this new anti-tracking feature and Facebook's stance is this is going to hurt small businesses. Oh, yes. And I don't really recall seeing a whole lot of loving being shown by Facebook to small businesses before this. So, yeah.
0: No, and in fact, Jim, um, a lot of small businesses were complaining that they when they wanted to reach out to their followers, Facebook wanted a lot of money From the small businesses to advertise to their, you know, if you make buggy whips or or hiking boots or something like that, and you have people following you on Facebook, if you wanted to use Facebook as a way to connect with your your customers or people who are interested in your product, they wanted big bucks out of you uh, just to do that service, you know. So they're the ones who are not being nice to small businesses. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. 895-2448, give us a call. We've got about uh, eight minutes left here. Well, seven minutes, because uh, they're going to cut us off in Philo. You know, this is a a hard switch, I guess they call
1: it. Um, We can't can't get away with running into Jamie's Radiogram time for a couple of minutes, as we used to do. And Radiogram is coming up after this show, so stick around for that. You know... um, there is a new version. If you have an Apple Watch, there is a new version of the Watch OS, uh, version 7.2, that my phone just or my watch, I should say, my my wrist informed me today that uh, that it's available for download. Uh huh. Um, one part of it works with this new subscription service, Apple Fitness Plus, which maybe we'll talk about on a future show. Um, but the part of the, that I'm particularly interested in, as someone who um, well used to have a heart issue, but hopefully no, <laughs> no longer do, right. um, is that um, the um, the built-in EKG and AFib feature now is more sensitive than it was in earlier versions.
2: yeah. Oh, can detect
1: yeah. AFib at speeds at over 100 beats per minute, which uh, which the older watch OS version was not able to. So um, if you have an Apple Watch, one of the newer wa- Apple Watches in particular that has the heart monitoring features, um, which I think started with the Series 5, then the... Um,
0: right, EKG was with 5, I EKG think.
1: EKG monitoring, yeah um ios 7.2 should be of interest
0: that was one of the things in that podcast that tim cook uh, recently did that i was uh, telling you about earlier um apple started getting um letters and communication from their customers saying i got my watch and if i hadn't gotten my watch and and noticed what my heart was doing i might have died i mean they got a substantial amount of feedback from their the users of this product yeah and it actually help them to go in that direction and then every time they added a feature they'd get more feedback saying this saved my life so I, i
1: didn't send a letter to tim cook but it was getting an apple watch and wearing that apple watch that informed me that i was in persistent atrial fibrillation Wow which I ended up having an ablation by a doctor whose practices in Palo Alto, who, who worked with Apple on the heart monitoring features.
0: On developing those features. That's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we have somebody call and I didn't pick up in time. Go ahead and call back. We'll try to get you on the air before we have to sign off.
1: Hit that magic redial button, caller. We'll get you on the air.
0: yeah so um uh, tim had a lot of good things to say about um the um the effect that product does have he was very proud of the fact that the the health aspect of the apple watch has has really uh, blossomed over the i can't remember how long the watch has been out it's been more than five years i'm pretty sure
1: see boy i don't even know now yeah yeah it seems like it's been a long time
0: yeah and that the first version of the apple watch seemed pretty tame compared to what the uh what the features are now with all the um, yeah. the heart monitoring and exercise monitoring, and uh, well, you can even make phone calls from them now, which is a pretty That's ha- right. pretty That's handy right. feature.
1: Yeah, I was not. You can you can use your watch to find your phone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Many
1: times I don't know I, I I put my phone somewhere and I just talk into my wrist and say, "Where's my phone?" <laughs> and it and it will play a notice. It on your plays phone. a note. Yeah. And I will say that I was not, you know, especially for the first Apple Watch, as you saw, as you said, um, I was, you know, thought, yeah, that's cool. But I don't really see, I don't wear a watch, so I don't really see this being a part of my future. And that persisted for a couple of watch versions after that. Yeah. Then early at the beginning of this year, um, I had those little medical adventures and I realized, you know, having something on my wrist that would be keeping track of my heart all the time probably might be a good idea. Yeah, um, and indeed. since then, obviously, it's been really useful for that. But I've also really just grown to really like all of the other little niceties that uh, that, that the watch provides.
0: The timer is handy.
1: The timer is really handy. The stopwatch is really handy. Um, the little mini apps, you know, you can have the new york times app you can have a little you know headline thing pop up or uh, the cnn app can have a little thing or even the mlb the baseball app can give you you know a little notification of what the score is in a game right um you know, things like that are cute um
0: I'm replying to text messages from your wrist they have yeah. they have a whole list of, of uh, canned replies you know somebody sends you a tech mes- text message you can say yes no i can't talk right now that's all built right in and it's just uh Really makes that that aspect of your digital life a little more a little more compatible and uh, convenient. The
1: timer, just the you know the ability to set alarms if you have to do something at certain uh, at the certain time of day every day, um, to have just your watch your wrist vibrate and remind you of that um, is uh, is really is really really useful. There's just a lot of it turns out that having this little tiny rectangle (laughs) with a screen on your wrist. is a lot more beneficial than i ever thought that it would be
0: yeah i'm I'm in complete agreement i've i've had mine for a couple years now it's getting pretty scratched i may have to get an upgrade
1: (laughs) sounds like it's time for a new one
0: yeah yeah and i don't have the model that has the uh, dial that stays on all the time
1: oh yeah that's nice
0: and you have that i think don't you correct yeah indeed
1: yeah so this is going to be our last uh um, program before the Christmas holiday. I our think so. uh, next program is on the 30th, which we will do our annual review, annual year in rebuke, as the great comedian Harry Shearer would say. Talk about right. some of the highlights and lowlights of the year, um, at least from a computational and technology and computer uh, perspective. Um, We'll talk about some of the top web searches every time this time of year. Uh, The big search engines, which are pretty much just kind of Google these days, um, will uh, uh, report on what their most popular search hits of the year were. Um, A little spoiler alert.